0: Now over to Pastor Steve. All
1: right, so we are talking about the hero within, which is available to everyone in this room because the hero of all of heaven, of all of earth, of all of time is the Lord Jesus Christ, who came from heaven, born of a virgin, did an incredible miraculous ministry, died, went to hell, kicked devil tail, took the keys of hell and death from the small G gods that held them, had a parade called Apec Duomai. You can go look that one up on YouTube or Rumble. Just Rumble because they took it off of YouTube. Praise Jesus. Rose from the dead, came out in public for 50 days and let everybody know that he was raised from the dead, and then ascended with the Father, and then sent his spirit, not a spirit, his spirit down on the day of Pentecost so we could all participate with the greatest person to have ever existed who is outside of time, who is God, who is a man. His name is Jesus Christ, and now we have the Spirit of Christ on the inside of us. And Paul got a revelation years afterwards about the mystery of everything I just said. The reason that even now today, Jews, Orthodox Jews, reject Jesus as the Messiah is because they cannot put the pieces together. Because they are, uh, they are deeply committed to the scriptures, to the Torah, to the Tanakh. And because of it, they cannot put the pieces together that God was going to be a man. It, it is not, you have to really search diligently. That's why Jesus said, if you search the scriptures, you will find that I'm Him. But you don't get it from reading the scriptures. You know how many people just read the scriptures, and like, well, I don't understand this? Yeah. Of course you don't. It was written by God, y'all. <laughs> right. If you can just read it and get it up, oh, got it. Right. Move on. What's the next book? There ain't no next book. This is it. It was written by God. And the moment you think, that's why Paul said, those that think that they got it all figured out, they are fools. You ain't never, I don't care what your favorite verse is. I don't care how many times you've meditated, how many hours you've spent. Listen, I have spent probably 10,000 hours reading and meditating the scriptures. And I am, I am appalled with myself about how ignorant I am sometimes. Because I'll hear someone else preach or minister or teach on a scripture and I'll be like, oh my Lord, that was so simple. And I've missed it for 40 years. And I, I, I wonder if, you know, like a million years from now when we're in heaven, someone's going to be teaching, you know, Paul will be up there teaching the scriptures to a class like this, and, and he'll say, yeah, open up to whatever, and it'll be all of our favorite scriptures, and he'll say, okay, now let me give you the revelation of this, and we'll all go like, wait, what? <laughs> I'd like to unplug right here and take you into some really cool revelations I just got about Genesis 1 and 2, but I can't do it because I need to stay on track. But man, I, okay, I'm not going to do it. Because Christ is in us, this great mystery that Paul said out of Colossians 1.27 is a reality or can be a reality to everyone in this room. It may not be, some of you may have been rejecting the Holy Spirit your whole life. Some of us are good at rejecting stuff. We were, we were ministering in a, in a home of a lady who was a Muslim and her husband left, it was a whole mess. They were from Syria, uh, Croatia, they were from Croatia and so we had to do like the double translation thing from English to German to Croatian, which is always fun. And uh, the daughter, was a mess. She was suicidal. She'd ran away and the German government were basically going to take her and make it worse. That was one of the things that Kay and I were talking about. If you're a kid and you run away from your parents, the government punishes you by taking you away from your parents. makes perfect sense for the government. (laughs) And so this gal, like she was on her last strike, like it was going to go down and it was terrible for her. And so her mom, out of desperation, asked us to come over and minister to this girl. And she got wrecked, wrecked. Jesus Christ came in that room and filled her life and changed her. She was gone somewhere. She was physically there, but she would left. And when she came back, she told us a testimony about meeting Jesus, which was awesome. But her little sister was Muslim because the dad that left the family literally left them in poverty, just took off, they had nothing, told this little girl that she was a Muslim. And so she was what she was told to be. And she was so, everything on the inside of her was so resistant, was so striving against everything that we were doing with her big sister and her mom. And after her sister came back from wherever she went <coughs> heaven and all this went down you could see the you could see the conflict in the younger sister of kind of wanting it but then she's a muslim and this is not right but then this is what just happened to her sister right in front of her but then i don't know and, and so i just you know how i am i just engaged her and she didn't really want n- nothing to do with it And that doesn't dissuade me. I keep poking until (laughs) until you either love me or hate me. She was headed one way or the other. And she was very adamant. She even had like a little, like an anger thing in her face and she's like, I'm a Muslim. And I said, the only reason you're a Muslim is because you were told you were a Muslim. And I said, I'm here to tell you that you have a creator and you get to be what your creator wants you to be and what other people have been telling you your whole life doesn't have to be who you are and it broke her and that resistance fell apart in that moment because she came she was confronted with the reality of actually having a real opportunity for life and what gets me when i'm trying to help people and 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 correct people and, and get wrong thinking out and put right thinking in is because this is the benefit. If you receive these truths, you'll live, you'll live, you'll live like you've never lived before, but we're sometimes we're so, so committed, so
0: dogmatic
1: about things being the way that they are, or broken, or our own way of thinking, this has got to be the best way. What does he know? All the time I, I have people argue with me about some of, the, some of the concepts that we have fruit. I get it, if I don't have any fruit on it, argue with me. But I'm married 28 years, and our marriage is getting better by the moment. I haven't, I haven't had to go see a doctor in 28 years. We don't have medicine in our medicine cabinet. We don't have a medicine cabinet. We're, we're free. We, we, I went all over the nation in a pandemic and preached to places that I wasn't supposed to preach in until I couldn't get to Alaska, stupid ocean in the way. But. We were free. We did things. And so when people are telling me that, no, that doesn't work. You can't do that w- that way. God doesn't meet your needs. God doesn't help with these kind of things. Man, you, you're talking to the wrong guy. Like, I've experienced it. Now, if, you're, if I'm trying to convince you that God does miracles and, you know, and if necessary, you know, you can walk on water. Maybe you can argue with me. Because all I got is the Bible, and people argue with the Bible all the time. All I got is the Bible, people walked on water, in the Bible. You're right. I've never walked on water, and so maybe you can say, okay, well, it doesn't work. But I know people that have. I don't mess with you. I literally had a, one time I was testifying to these truths, and I was talking about divine health because people just, the divine health thing just throws people for a loop. Like, okay, I get it that God heals, but it's every once in a while and it's kind of when he chooses and it's, and it's usually not, you know, it's usually not healing all the way. He'll like make the medicine supercharged or something like that. You know, I don't know what the doctrines are that are in people's heads, but I'm like, God heals and wants you to live in health. And I, and I, um, people are so combative about this particular thing. There is the number one killer in the world right now are doctors and medicine. More people have died from doctors and medicine in the world today than any other thing. And yet people are so committed to the doctor, to the words and the uh, prognosis of the doctors that they're going to argue with me and I haven't had to see a doctor for anything in 28 years. We've seen the dead raise. Hey, Mark, how you doing? (laughs) (laughs) We've seen blind eyes open, deaf ears open. And people will argue with me, no you haven't, I've had dozens of people say no you haven't. What do you mean no I haven't? You haven't seen that stuff, (laughs) well then who was there? 'Cause he looked just like me. And I have all these memories of those things that happened like, no, you just you're you you just, you know, something, you know, maybe maybe their ears just accidentally opened up or something like, yeah, you're right. They were deaf. We prayed then they could hear, but it was it was some medical scientific, there, there's got to be something like the 5G frequencies all of a sudden hit their ear right at the exact same, it's the calisthenics that people have to go through to not believe. Right. Yeah. Do you, have you, anybody ever told you about the theory of the Big Bang? Do you know how much it faith it believes that nothing created something?
0: Right. Right. right.
1: I don't have enough faith to believe in, in evolution and in all those things that they have. But they, they will do calisthenics to jump over it. There was a flood, look, and it laid down all these layers. You can go to the Grand Canyon, you can see all the layers that the flood laid down. No, that wasn't a flood, that was billions of years. <laughs> billions of years. Then why is there no dirt, there's no plants, there's no animals, there's no fossils, it's just dirt all laid down. All, well, there wasn't any plants for these 500 million years, but the planet survived. You, you, don't, you don't have to have logic or rational thought to have belief. You can supersede logic and rational thought with belief. In a good way and a bad way. And I am telling you that Christ lives on the inside of every born again person in here. The same Christ that beat the devil in hell, had a parade, was raised on the third day, and ascended to heaven to sit on the right hand of his father that same Christ and we struggle with finances and health and addictions and and depression and oppression and Christ is right here right here God did this because Colossians 1 27 God did this because he wanted you beloved to understand his wonderful And glorious mystery and the mystery is that Christ lives in you and he is your hope in sharing of God's glory to the degree that you believe that is to the amount of glory that you're gonna share and some of us not much some of us a little more but man Why shouldn't we just share all of it? Why piecemeal this sucker? Why not just take it at face value, believe him that what he said is true, and go all the way in? And the reason that I desire so deeply that we are becoming these heroes, these Christ-infused, Christ-filled heroes, one of the main reasons for that is because our world is desperately, desperately short of heroes, desperately. There was a a TikTok star that died the other day and it was, this was a deal, like, and this guy was a transgendered person that did sick stuff and he died unexpectedly. I wonder what happened. (laughs) And there was this massive amount of mourning because he had millions of followers for doing some of the most reprehensible things. He was a hero. That's what defines a hero in today's society. A transgender person doing wicked, terrible things. The reason that's a hero is because we don't have authentic heroes that people can look up to. And I'm believing that we are raising up those heroes in this room. And then when we go into our world and preach the good news that Christ wants to fill everyone and raise them up to be a hero. They are going to love it. They had an impromptu, we were scheduled to minister Thursday, uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And by the time we got to Sunday, they had record seating in the place that we were at because people wanted to come here, this crazy American. (laughs) And we're just, Saturday night, the Spirit of God came into the room And I don't think anybody moved for 20 minutes. I mean, it was so heavy. It was tangible. And so Sunday was like, I mean, they ran out of chairs on Sunday. And when I got there Sunday, uh, our brand new family, Kai and Krista, who we adore and adores us, said, hey, what do you think about us adding a meeting to the schedule? Because there's so many people that are so... Uh, so desiring this, your messages, the things that you're preaching, I'm like, bro, I came here to minister, you can, you know, I don't have to eat or sleep, like just, you know, I might need a nap or a piece of water, but like, I came here for you, I'm here to serve. And he's like, okay, great. And then he clicked his button on his little remote and it came up on in German that we're having a meeting on Wednesday with Steve. And I'm like, <laughs> he knew I was going to say, yeah. So on Wednesday, and this is Wednesday, Germany, and people had to ride the train for two hours. There are people that came from Frankfurt that was three hours away and had jobs, and just like anybody else, Wednesday night Germany, Wednesday night is just like America Wednesday night, and they literally ran out of chairs in the building. They had to go to other floors and steal all the chairs, and they had people sitting in the windowsills. It was like the Book of Acts, and it, and it was... It, it, I, oh, and the reason i'm the reason i'm saying that is because the only thing good in me is christ S- steve's not like awesome minister dude like oh he he's a he's amazing and it th- everything that i can testify to everything that's good about me everything that i've done every it's all christ amen, yeah. Yeah. amen. Ask anybody that knows me pre-Christ. I'm a jerk, stupid, did terrible things, failed at everything. I got fired one time. One of the first jobs I ever had was cleaning out a pig trailer. It sucked, or <laughs> it stunk, it stunk. It legit stunk. You ever smelled pig stuff? Woo! And my job was to clean out this trailer twice. They would haul twice, and so I would come, and he gave me like you know, 30 cents back then to clean out this trailer. And I was so smart, I was a 14-year-old kid, I was so smart that I was smoking a cigarette while I was cleaning out the trailer, and I didn't think about the fact that I was getting pig stuff on my cigarette. So I threw up a lot. A lot. Didn't quit those cigarettes though, (laughs) stayed strong. (laughs) And they fired me. I got fired from cleaning out pig crap. I was a loser before Christ. And now they're filling buildings in Germany to hear me talk? That's Christ you all, that ain't Steve. That's Christ. And that's the same thing available to every person that draws breath that is born again. The second reason is because I want the Father in heaven to think thoughts and say words like Psalm 16, 3. The godly people in the land are my true heroes. I want God to look down on Sunday morning at beloved and say, man they got such a great gathering of heroes up in there. I take pleasure in them. And then, you know, his eyes scan to maybe some other church. (laughs) And he's like, "Mm, not there. And, And I know that you're thinking, well, God would never. Really? Have you read the Bible? Yeah. Because there's people that God is pleased in and there's people he is absolutely not pleased in. God knows he is a very good, he keeps good track, good records. He knows what we do. He knows what we don't do. He knows people that are pleasing him that are living their lives to please him. And he knows people that are faking it. And he knows people that don't care. You can fool me and you can fool this room, but we ain't the ones that are keeping track." And I want him to say, these people, these are my true heroes. When you are the priority, the actions will be rooted in taking the best from others. When you are the priority of your life, your actions, your deeds, your thoughts will be about taking the best things that other people have to offer and making them yours. But when other people are the priority, it makes you Rise up to your best so that you can give that to them. This is one of the purest characters of God. God is the most selfless entity in existence. All he wants to do is give. For God so loved the world that he gave, and he gave, and he gave, and he gave, and He's giving, and he will give. And he gave the best, he gave Christ. If you and I were God, we would have sacrificed like doop-de-doo angel right little fat naked baby with a bow and arrow like you can go die for people I don't even really care about you what's your name God gave the best he gave himself selflessness is one of the truest characters of God and the truest characters of authentic heroes and this stands out In today's world, like an explosion of fireworks on a dark night. Because you do not see selfless people. Almost everybody is living their life for number one. And number one is them. And if it costs me my marriage, if it costs me my relationship with my kids, if it costs me my job, I don't give a rip. Because it's going to be all about me. And now we have this society out there where they have no problem whatsoever coming after your kindergartens, kindergartners to defile their minds and their lives in their effort to destroy everybody in the same way that they are already destroyed. If you want to know the true character of a person, watch how they value and treat others compared to themselves. If you want to know where you're at, measure the way that you treat others compared to the way you treat yourself. You live in your life to get all your money, so you have your pension, so you can hide stuff in your bank account. For what? Well, so I have enough at the end. What if you had a God and that was his job to make sure you had enough? Well you know you just can't always trust God, got your happy little nest egg on the side right? And so we live so we can get all we can get, and get all we can get and cheat and lie and steal if we have to, only if we have to because I have to take care of me. Heroes live their lives for the benefit of others. Cowards live their lives for themselves. A selfish person spends their whole life fighting themselves and others. Do you know the struggle on the inside of a person who is deeply committed to selfishness? There's just a war always going on on the inside of that person. It's self and, and, and a fight, and, and just when you think you got it, and then it comes back and it's, ah, like, fight. A selfless person gives their whole life fighting for others. The reason the enemy wants you to have a war on the inside over selfishness is because while you're busy fighting yourself, you can never fight for someone else. When you are living your life in selflessness is when you are living at your bravest. selflessness requires courage Ecclesiastes chapter 12 he, not very often do you hear me reference Ecclesiastes but there's two really powerful end of end of book verses ones in Ecclesiastes we'll get to the other one in the end but this is the summation of the book of Ecclesiastes and, the, and Ecclesiastes was written by Solomon who went out and did everything he could to destroy his life. Literally everything he could. He ended up with a thousand wives. Guys, can I get an amen? That's a good way to die. (laughs) (laughs) Die or be died. (laughs) He uh, through the course of that, it said that he searched out every uh, every joy that life has to offer, drunkenness and, and the quest for money. He did all the stuff. And that's in the book of Ecclesiastes where it says, vanity, vanity, all is vanity. This was his summation of doing all of these things for himself. Living this selfish life without restraint. Literally went and did that. And it ended up destroying Obviously, eventually the kingdom. When Solomon died, the kingdom was ripped in two. Rehoboam and Jeroboam took over the two uh, divided nations. And because Solomon could not control himself, the nation of Israel was divorced from each other. And at the end of this book, after living his life in ignorance, he comes to these two verses. When all has been heard, the conclusion of the matter is this. Fear God. Keep his commandments. This is the whole duty of man. Man. For God will bring every deed into judgment, along with every hidden thing, whether good or evil. At the end of all that, he boiled it down to something simple. Just live your life for God. Nobody's ever experienced the wealth or the the offerings of this carnal world like Solomon did. And he gets to the end of it and he's like, let me tell you the conclusion of all of that. Just live for God. And you know how many people would read a verse like that and say, well, Solomon, you just didn't try hard enough, buddy. Here, hold my beer. Watch this. It's going to end the same. It's going to end the same. We live our lives for ourselves. It is a road to destruction. Living our lives unto God and for others is the only way that you will ever experience the life that you were created to experience. Stephen Kendrick, who wrote the book The Love Dare, said this, and I quote, almost every sinful action ever committed can be traced back to a selfish motive. It is a trait we hate in other people but justify in ourselves. Every sin. Think about, think about the worst thing that you've done. Don't think long, but think about the worst thing you've done. What, driven, what drove it? Selfishness. What was the fall in the garden? Selfishness. We want to be like God, but we're going to do it our way. Cain and Abel, the first murder ever on a perfect near-perfect planet, selfishness. Well, I think God likes Abel more than me. I'll just kill him. Solve that problem. King Saul. Talk about a narcissistic egomaniac. He he made people praise him. Follow him around. David and Bathsheba. David wasn't thinking about God. David wasn't thinking about his other seven wives when he took advantage of Bathsheba, he wasn't thinking about what it was gonna do to the kingdom. He wasn't thinking about the fact that it's gonna kill the baby that came out of this adulterous relationship. He wasn't thinking about what the nation was gonna think about him. He wasn't thinking about the fact that God literally created a lineage out of him that was eventually gonna lead to the Messiah. You know what he was thinking about? His waist. She's pretty. (laughs) I'm the king. Do whatever I want. I'm free. Right? i got money. Selfish. And it cost tens of thousands of lives
0: because
1: they had two civil wars over David, not being able to keep his stuff in his robe. Judas. I don't know how much you meditate on Judas, but I've meditated a lot on Judas, because I know that I have the capacity to be a Judas. Some of you, you don't resonate with that, and it's dangerous. If you don't realize that you have the capacity to be a Judas, you'll never do what you need to do in order to never be a Judas. I've meditated on it. And so I know what I need to do to keep my heart right, and keep my heart guarded so that I don't turn into a Judas. But Judas spent three and a half years with the Lord. Judas seen the dead raised. Judas seen demons cast out. Judas seen blind eyes open. Judas seen Jesus walk on water. Judas seen Jesus calm a storm. Judas seen it all. And betrayed him over 30 silver coins. It, is, that it boggles the mind. But selfishness will make you do that. You'll give up Jesus for 30 bucks. When we were kids in Freeport, there was a murder. And I knew the guy that uh, that did the murder in, the murderer, and his name was, oh, I don't want to say his name. Uh, and we had common friends, because I wanted to be a gangbanger. I know. It's like transparency hour at Beloved Church today. <laughs> Could you imagine me? I used to roll around with NWA, like with my hat backwards, <laughs> in my car, bumping it. Could you imagine what the real gangsters thought when they looked at me? <laughs> Somebody shoot him. <laughs> and we had common friends and I I seen one of these friends and I was like, dude, why did smoke or I almost say his name? Uh why did he kill him? He said, Oh, that guy owed him twenty bucks. I said, Yeah, but I mean, like what else? He's like, no, you owed him 20 bucks. He killed him. He's in prison now, or if he ain't dead. 20 bucks. 20 bucks. You think, and you think that's the worst? That's just a story I know from Freeport. Selfishness will make you do things that when you look back, you don't even believe that you had the capacity to do it. And some of you know what I mean, because you're actually being authentic with yourself and you're remembering moments of your failures and you did not know that you had the capacity to do what you did. And you did it. Selfishness. Self-preservation is a human instinct. Preserving your neighbor is a heroic instinct. In Luke chapter 10, this was Jesus ministering to, peop- to his disciples, specifically the 70 that just came back and rejoiced over the fact that they'd seen all of this incredible, divine, miraculous, supernatural thing in the ministry that they were just sent out in representing the name of the Lord Jesus and his kingdom. And so he was teaching on these principles and he was interrupted in verse 25. One day an expert in the law stood up to test him. When I read stuff like, it's just, why, what would compel someone in that day to like I'm going to go test Jesus. Like, I'm going to, and I think about it for a minute. I'm like, man, what? that's stupid. But they didn't know what we know about Jesus. And I get this all the time. You know how many people literally are searching me out just to argue with me? And, and I mean, go look at my Facebook feed. <laughs> An expert in the law stood up to test him. And he said, teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Now, remember, this question wasn't from the from the genuineness of the authentic heart of him actually wanting eternal life, he stood up to test him. Now, if I would have been Jesus, I would have like God slapped him. Test me, you peon. Now you know how much growth I have before I really, truly embrace the character of Christ. <laughs> Notice what Jesus did here, this is radical. He went to this guy's expertise. He was a lawyer, he was an an expert in the law, and so Jesus used his expertise. In other words, he was incredibly gracious with him. He didn't say, well, let me explain it to you in physics. He went to his expertise. The law, the Torah. And he said, you know what's written in the law. How do you read it? Now, this is important. What's written in the law, how do you read it? (laughs) Man, if that's, that's going to soak down on some of you in a minute doesn't really matter what's written. It matters how you read it. People have killed people over Bible verses. People divorce people all the time. You know how many people have come up to me and they're having trouble in their marriages and they say, well, the Bible says that you can divorce somebody if they cheat on you. I'm like, oh, good for you. You found the one verse to give you permission to justify your self-centeredness to go leave your spouse. Way to go, bucko. You're awesome. You did miss all the other verses that says that what God's joined together let no man tear asunder, right? And how God can forgive adultery and love keeps no record of wrongs. And all. You skipped right over all that, didn't you? God found that one verse. Got it justified. How do you read it? If you don't read it with the character And the heart of the one that wrote it, you will never understand what was written. Now here's what's radical. Jesus said the word for law in the Hebrew is Torah, and it's the first five books, the Pentateuch, and this was the life of a Jewish person. They lived Torah. If you were 12 years old, if you were a male that was 12, before you could have your bar mitzvah at 13, you had to memorize the Torah, the first five books, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Memorize them before you were 13. This was their life. And what's radical is this guy's answer was so correct that this is exactly what Jesus said was the whole purpose of everything in other places. Matthew 22, Mark 12. Jesus literally used the exact same verses to say this was the point. What is written in the law? Jesus replied, how do you read it? Verse 27, he answered, the lawyer answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. Now, here's the reason this is radical. Those aren't two statements in the Torah that are anywhere near each other. This is uh, uh, Deuteronomy chapter 6 and Exodus chapter 19. They're not even in the same book, y'all. This guy actually got revelation from the Torah from the Holy Spirit on meditating the scriptures and he wasn't born again and he wasn't baptized in the Holy Spirit and he didn't have a cool preacher like me. He got this from God. And Jesus said,
0: correct.
1: Now that boggles the mind. He had the right answer. Jesus confirmed that his revelations were right. He had it all figured out. Even had the Holy Spirit help drop it in his heart. What was the problem then? Why was he asking for eternal life? He should have had it, right? No, because it was here. And it wasn't here. The next verse. You've answered correctly. Jesus said, do this, do this, do This and you'll live. You know what he implied? He wasn't doing it. He knew in it and not doing it. Man, how applicable is that to all of Christianity? We could fill volumes with what we know and thimbles with what we do. (laughs) Next verse, please, says, You know, doing comes from being. I need to stress that right here on purpose because some people think, okay, so I'll go do and then live. No, you do because you are. If he would have lived from this revelation, if this lawyer would have lived from the revelation, he would have done it. But because he was probably proud of himself for having the revelation, he got the right answer, right? The rabbi said, whoop, whoop, you got the correct answer. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I got it. That's right. I got the star on my chart. Watch me brown nose the rabbi. But getting the answer right has nothing to do with the effects in your life. Just having the right answers don't bless you. But wanting to justify himself, whoops. Justify, what, what does he need to justify? The fact that he wasn't doing it. Are you following me? Okay, now this is going to apply to this room. Justifying himself for not doing it. You know many times I've ministered to someone, like one-on-one, and I said, well, you know, uh, this is who you are and this is the way it needs to be and da da da. and like, I know. But you're not doing it. Well, I, you know, I, I'm, some, N- no. The reason I'm saying these things to you is because you're not doing them and so I just assumed because you're not doing them you didn't know these things so that's why I'm telling you these things. No, I know, I know, I know. Anybody raise teenagers? <laughs> they know. <sighs> we, <laughs> we used to have a song. Who was it? Uh, Lacrae. Lacrae had a song that uh, said, how did it go? I know. I, know. I know. The tagline for the song was, I know, I know, I know. And so whenever the kids, whenever we were trying to correct the kids, they'd say, I know, I know. We'd, oh, hold on. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> and they loved it. Loved it. <laughs> Roll their eyes, get mad. But we do this all the time. I know that. You're supposed to you're supposed to love your sister. I know. You you slapped her. I know. <laughs> you you're missing the point of the language I'm using. How many times the father says, hey, you should love your spouse. I know. But you're not. I know. You, you should love your spouse. I know. But you're not. Well, I, do, do you know what they did to me? I, 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 asked. I didn't ask that. You're supposed to love your spouse. I know. But. Uh, there you go. Got your big old butt right in the middle of what God said? (laughs) Need to do some squats. (laughs) This shows how much revelation this lawyer had of the Torah. Through the Holy Spirit, he understood the right answer, but because it required authentic selflessness, he sought another way to solve the dilemma Whenever one seeks to justify themselves, they will always come up short. <laughs> he knew he had not loved everyone as he loved himself, so he was trying to interpret the scriptures in a way that would conform to his actions. Because I want Jesus to tell me that my neighbor is that one person that I really did love. Right? I mean, I love Kay. Because she's awesome, so she's easy to love, right? And, and I love mom. She hasn't even sinned in like 15 years. Maybe 20. Easy to love, right? Ryan, everybody loves him. I could, I could never come back again as long as Ryan's up here leading worship. We're, church is growing. Easy to love. That's my neighbor. Ryan's my neighbor. Love, Ryan.
0: Oh.
1: (laughs) Love, Mom. Kay. Woo! She's awesome. But you know that, that one person at church that could really use a shower, that uses their tambourine out of beat, when you're the drummer struggling to keep the beat already because you're white. Did you hear my NWA story? Because you're white, so you can't keep the beat very well. And then he's on a tambourine doing the wrong beat, right? And then, and then they cut you off in traffic. And you were just about to pull into that really close parking spot at Walmart, going there, see all those wonderful people at Walmart. <laughs> In their stretchy pants that are at maximum potential. And they and they cut you off and they take your parking spot. Well, now you gotta walk an extra thirty feet. Like I need the exercise. Look at me, I'm a vision of. So he was trying to interpret the scripture in a way that would conform to his actions. Well, I love mom. I love Kay. I love Ryan. I'm good. Did it. Check. It's always wrong to try to interpret God's word in a way that will match our experiences. We should instead make our experiences match God's word. Jesus taught repentance and faith as the means of justification with God. Matthew 4:17, repent for the kingdom of God is here. John 6:29, Jesus said that the works of God are to believe on Jesus. So repent, change the way you think and then believe on Jesus, believe on something besides you. That's what Jesus taught. This lawyer was seeking to be right with God on the basis of his own actions. So he was not going to repent, and he was going to keep his belief on himself. Now give me the life. Give me the eternal life. It don't work that way. You have to repent and move your belief over to me. No. Because I'm loving my neighbor, so Jesus tells a parable. So Jesus took up this question and said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he fell into the hands of robbers. They stripped him, beat him, and went away leaving him half dead. I have hours more revelation than I have time. So I'm going to submit that to you now. And so there's a lot of things I'm going to leave unsaid. But just this verse I could spend an hour with. This is not about heaven and hell. We've taken the Bible and we've turned it into this evangelistic uh, Baptist philosophy that every time Jesus was talking about good people and bad people, it was hell-bound or heaven-bound. This was a Jew going from Jerusalem to Jericho. This was a saved person. This is a Christian coming from a great Christian experience from Jerusalem, going down to Jericho to do his responsibilities, living a good Christian life, and he fell into the hands of robbers. You know, there are times in life where you're actually coming from the right thing, headed to the right thing, and bad things still happen? Are you shocked by this, anyone? Now, sometimes the bad things that happen to you are you. that should have been a way bigger amen right there, because a lot of the stuff that's in my life is self-inflicted, but there are things that aren't.
0: Amen.
1: <coughs> going down to Jericho. Jericho was down by the Dead Sea, is 800 feet below sea level. He was going to one of the darkest, lowest places with his experience from Jerusalem and fell into robbers. And it'd be easy for us because we're so holy and righteous and true all the time that we could look at a guy like that and say, Psh, what stupid thing did you do? Why didn't you have your concealed carry right? Why didn't you take your sword, stupid head? Right? Ta- or a big dog or something. You fell among robbers? What kind of dummy are you? There's robbers on the road. We do this pretty often. Because we're okay. When we see somebody else struggling and falling, it's real easy to tell them what's wrong with all their life. Amen. You know how good we are at diagnosing everybody else's problems and not our own? Amen. There are four players... Or, I'm sorry, five players in this parable that I want you to keep your heart on. Obviously, first is the victim. Now, this is Joe Average Christian, good Christian, and something bad happened to him. But the second one is the robbers. You know what a robber is? A robber is a person that has a philosophy that says, what's yours is mine. How many times do we as believers live as robbers? Oh, you got that? I want that. My wife can't be happy if I'm mad, so I'm gonna take her happiness, right? I'll just go in there and blast her, tell her she's terrible or something. How dare her walk around the house singing and having a good time with Jesus? do not she know how terrible I feel? So I'll just take it. What's yours is mine. This is socialism. This is what our government wants. Hey, you have something? Well, give it to me. Why should I give it to you? Because I'm going to give it away to somebody who needs it. Yeah, and keep some for yourself, you jerk. What's yours is mine. You know, we, this brings people sometimes into Christianity. Hey, God, you got all the stuff and I got none. Why don't you give me some? And you can tell in their prayer life. You can listen to people pray, and you can hear <clears throat> that that aura, that attitude of of entitlement. Why don't I, God? Why don't I, why ain't I blessed? Why ain't I healthy? Why ain't my marriage? Why ain't why God? Why with the with that that cutting implication like God's cheating you? Like he's not doing you right. He's just to everybody else. But you not living in the blessing of God is because God's holding out on you, you jerk. The next one is the priest. And the priest is a person who's given up his life to serve other people in the name of God. Remember that. The next one is a Levite. And the Levite is a person born into influence who has a place in basically in government so that he can protect the nation of Israel. That's what a Levite did. And both of these, the priest and the Levite in this story had the philosophy of what's mine is mine. The robber says, what's yours is mine. The religious person or the entitled government person says, what's mine is mine. How many Christians are in that frame of mind? Well, I know that, you know, I know that we're building a school to rescue kids, but, you know, I don't want to give them no money. It's my money. I got to save my money for the stuff that I want to do. I'm going to rehab my 66 Corvette. Is there a 66? Okay. I know one of the years they skipped it. I've got to keep stuff for me, right? We're, I'm saving money to do the thing that I want to do. I'm not going to give it away to that. What's mine is mine. And then there is the Samaritan, the final player in the story. And the Samaritan had the philosophy of what's mine? He's yours. Samaritan was a hero. Verse 31, now by chance a priest was going down the same road, but when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Verse 32, and and also a Levite came and seen the situation, and he passed by on the other side. So the two people societally that should have helped didn't. Now, before we throw these guys <clears throat> into the trash heap and just say that they were just like complete Satanists, they both had a requirement, uh, requirement to stay clean, ceremonial clean, because of their functions. A priest could not touch a dead body, nor could he touch <clears throat> any of the body fluids of another person, because if he did, he was unclean for eight days. And the same thing with a Levite. So if they touched this man, they became unclean. You know what this was? This is a quandary. Leviticus chapter 19 says, love your neighbor as yourself. Leviticus chapter 21 says, if you touch a dead body, you're unclean. Leviticus chapter 22 says, if you touch anything that cut one of the body fluids of that, you're unclean. If you're unclean, you cannot perform the functions of priest or Levite. So they stumbled upon this situation. They had to decide, do I do Leviticus 19, 21, or 22? And the Levite has a responsibility to do ministry for the whole nation. So if he became unclean, he could have literally stopped ministry for the whole nation. Well, it's better to sacrifice this one guy who's half dead anyway than to have the whole nation... Be in wrath with God. Right? That's totally right. That makes sense. Same thing with the priest. If I don't go and offer the offerings that need to be offered for Israel, we could be in our sins. I have this one responsibility for the people of God. And if I do this, I can't do that. So they were justified. They had Bible to justify walking on the other side. The problem is they could have done something. You're not required to solve everybody's problems every time all over the whole world. But you can do what you can do. This is called situational ethics. Do you see why when someone says, just do what the Bible says, that they might not actually be taking the Bible very seriously, or they might not even actually know what it does say. The Bible does not offer a clear set of rules. It offers a story with a theological vision that can be used to guide people, especially a covenantal community through the various situations that they will face. Intimacy with the Holy Spirit is essential to navigate the complexities of life. The Levite and the priest did what the Bible said. And the Samaritan did the heart of God. And what the Bible said. Verse 33, but when a Samaritan on a journey came upon him, he looked at him and had compassion. A Samaritan was rejected, utterly rejected by Jews. It was racist. It was actual racism, not like the fake stuff we got in America today that's conjured up in the heart of a woke person. But this was actual racism. This was also the division of religious traditions. So there was racism and there was religious hatred that was involved between the Samaritans and the Jews. And he went past them both. You know how insulting this was to the crowd that Jesus was talking to telling a bunch of Jews that the Samaritans were better people that's like when I stand in front of churches like I don't know this one and I say sometimes I know people that are non-Christians that are better people than some of the Christians I know that only offends you a, if you're a hypocrite And B, if you're not a very good Christian. So the only people that were offended with Jesus' parable were the people that should have been. (laughs) Jesus made it clear that you could not define neighbor on the basis of geographic origin or your familiarity with someone. A neighbor is anyone that God puts in your path. I'm going to say that again. Your neighbor is the person that God puts in your path. Verse 34, he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring in oil and wine. Then he put him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. Man, there's so much here. I ain't got time. The Samaritan provided healing for all the victim's wounds by exceptional means. You notice he didn't give him what he deserved. He didn't give him what he owed him. He poured in, he bandaged, which means that physical healing was something that the Samaritan brought to this guy. And specifically, he brought brought healing to wounds that he did not inflict upon himself. We are supposed to be a healing culture, beloved. Beloved, let's be better than a Samaritan we bring healing to people that are wounded, whether they did it to themselves or not. I don't care if you did the wrong thing. I don't care if you smoked for 20 years and now you got the little C, big C cancer, big C crisis bigger than little C, I don't care what you did. I don't care if you, if you cheated, I don't care what you did that caused the problems in your life. My job is not to condemn you, my job is to bring the bandages. That's our culture. That is the culture here. If that ain't your culture, then it's time to repent and receive the kingdom. He poured in oil. Oil represents the anointing. This is supernatural. If you don't have people, if you can't offer people supernatural things, what can you offer them? Why, why even call ourselves a Christian if we can't offer the things of God? If you're just going to offer the things of the world, send them to the government so they can get on welfare and food stamps. But if we're going to call ourselves Christians, then we should be able to offer them God, the Holy Spirit. Comfort of the Holy Spirit. And that relieves pain and also has a lasting medicinal effect. And he poured in wine. Wine is the gospel. It's the new covenant. Alcohol would have been an antiseptic to kill infections or germs intending to affect. The good news is an antiseptic that goes into a person's life that kills the effect of infections and germs that have gotten on their lives. And then the inn, took him to the inn. The inn was a place like a community, like, I don't know, a building that's got purple chairs, that people are brought into when they're hurting. That, that. Need to have fellowship and community that need other people to stand around them and support them and make sure that the oil stays fresh and make sure that the wine gets poured in the right places and not the wrong places to make sure the bandages are fresh and clean to make sure that they get the rehab that they need after they finally get up on their feet to make sure that they get stronger to make sure that their rooms are are, are kept in in good order to make sure that they got food to make sure that they got companionship while they're going through the healing process. He took them to a church church and it was uncommon in Jesus' day for there to be an inn uncommon just like the culture at Beloved uncommon but so necessary the next day he took out two denarii verse 35 and gave them to the innkeeper take care of him And on my return, I will repay you for any additional expense. Okay. Now the story is in the no way category because he gave money. Right? I mean, once you start talking about money, like I can be nice to people. I can put bandages on people. I'll even touch their money flunes if I have to. But I ain't giving no money. (laughs) I draw the line at money. Christians. You want, I can run half this room off. I just get in your P's and Q's about your marriage, your kids, or your money. Get to stuffing. I'm out of here. Don't talk to me about none of that stuff. I've got it all figured out. Okay. I'll just look down here and read what I wrote. Offerings to a church that's providing for the health and the healing of, all, of other people is the same as being a neighbor and operating in mercy. Who would have thunk that your money could do supernatural things? Offerings to the big humanitarian organizations It's good if you have already provided the necessary assets for your neighbor first. A starving child in Africa is not my neighbor. That'll get, that'll get the YouTube torn down right there. <laughs> they could be my neighbor, but I know that this is my neighbor. And if I'm not taking care of this, and I'm sending my assets to a random organization that uses 90 percent of them to fund their salaries and do their own agendas, and then 10 percent of it to the starving kid in Africa, and I ain't got time or the ability to support what's going on here, to support my neighbor here, then I am not what Jesus is asking me to be. But you cannot give away, you cannot give your way out of personal responsibility to the hurting. I don't get to say, checks in the mail, I don't need to be nice to nobody. I sent money to the church. I sent money to Red Cross. I sent money. You, you don't get, we don't get to do that. That's what the elites in the world do. That's what the Hollywood stars do while they're destroying your children's lives. They say, well, I sported I started a, fun, a foundation to support, you know, the, the people that have short legs in, in Guatemala. Okay, well, good for you. Aren't you awesome? What are you doing with the authentic aspects of your life? What are you doing for your neighbors? What are you doing? You don't get to say, I sent a check. And now you're you're eliminated from responsibility. Verse 36. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man that fell into the hands of robbers? Verse 37. The moral story: the one who showed him mercy. What did Jesus say? Go and do. Heroes keep the main thing, the main thing. People. There's something on your agenda that's more than people. Your agenda is out of alignment with God's agenda. Heroes are those who win the war between the evils of selfishness and the humility of selflessness. Jesus stands eternally as the hero who gave away all of himself in the purest of selflessness. Selflessness. And I'll end with these verses from Micah, Micah chapter six. With what shall I come before the Lord? When I bow before God on high, should I offer to him with burnt offerings, with year old calves? Does God want your money? Next verse. Would the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, 10,000 rivers of oil, Shall I present my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? Is that what God wants? Next verse. He has shown you, O man, what is good. He's shown you. Jesus showed us. And what does the Lord require of you? But to act justly, to love mercy, to walk humbly, with your god it seems too simple you live this way it might be simple but it ain't gonna be easy i like simple most people would rather have easy please rise so i can bless you
0: Now please open your heart to receive as Pastor Steve proclaims the blessing of the Father over your life.
1: I pray, I declare that above all things, that you allow the finished work of the cross to bring prosperity into your finances and also divine health, prospering your body. And all of these things are going to affect you in a supernatural way as you allow your soul, your mind, your will, your emotions, and your personality to be perfected